Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 136. Let's roll, baby. And uh, it's like a, it's a fireside chat. You know, it's a fireside chat show. It's me and Chalk. You know, Chalk needs no introduction. You just bring the man out. We've been talking for like all night, all the time. We're always talking. Um, Chalk is like my, uh, the whisperer. We whisper in each other's ears when he's in a, startup draft or some sort of rookie draft. He's texting me what he should do and vice versa. I mean, and I got no better partner in crime than Mr. Chalk. Chalk, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Jax? I'm just over here just taking shots, man. Taking shots of whiskey on a <laughs> on a Wednesday night, man. Just hanging it's out late. with my boy. It's late. This is a late night fireside chat right here. Yep. Yep. Wife wife's away. Um and I'm just taking shots. Yeah, hanging out, <laughs> hanging out, my boy. <laughs> just taking shots. That's all it is. Well, speaking of taking shots, your Lakers took some shots. Eh? I mean, we've been talking all night about all sorts of cool shit. And I'm like, maybe we should record some of this shit. You know? Oh, uh, here we go, man. Here we go. You know, I mean, the 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 flesh wound was healing, but you just you just threw some salt right on that thing. I mean, you said it though. You know, it's like they're a hard team to hate. Those damn Den- Denver Nuggets, eh? Yeah, man. Yeah, like. As much as I, I hated watching the Lakers lose, you know, at least it wasn't the Warriors, it wasn't the Grizzlies, yeah, you know, and at least it wasn't the damn Celtics. I know. You'll, you'll I, join us in Cancun soon enough, man. Oh, it's all good. Oh, <laughs> See you in Cancun. I just got to say, you know, one more win and it starts. the pressure starts to shift on over to those heat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't let us oh. win Thursday night. You better come in and, and, and show up in, uh, in Boston, Miami, because – I'll tell you what, man, you go back to Miami 3-2, some of those role players in Miami are going to feel a little clenchy, a little clenchy. The tight buttholes is what we call that. Yeah, all I can say is um, Miami-Denver finals would be literally the best case scenario for Lakers fans. Right. No, no Celtics, no Clippers, no Suns, no Warriors, all of them out of the picture. Uh, you know, yeah. and like, I root for anybody. I don't even care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, and and it's definitely worst case scenario for the league. So the fix it, you know, police, the people who believe that the fix is in definitely can go stuff it because I guarantee you the league wanted Lakers Celtics and they got almost both got swept. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, if the refs were in on it, they didn't they did a shitty job. Yeah, you know what? When I was watching some of the games with the Nuggets and the Lakers, it made me realize that it's not fixed. Like as much as we no. want to you know, have the narrative, it's not. Like, there were so many calls against the Lakers that were, like, phantom calls. And if they really wanted the Lakers to extend the series, you know, those calls wouldn't have happened. So, you know, yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, the better team won. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a playoff series. It's not it's not a one and done, so. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I would <clears throat> I would argue that in, in the Celtics series, the better team is not winning, but the better coach is. I mean, it's probably, like, the best coach in the NBA versus maybe – Certainly one of the bottom five. I mean, and I've, I've talked about Missoula, you know, Bill Simmons, and, you know, we, we call him second row Joe. I mean, because he was like the, you know, the dude uh, sitting behind the bench last year when Ime got, you know, sort of ousted. And 
the dude that Utah stole from us and Damon Stoudemire is elsewhere. I forget where he's coaching some college team or whatever, but everybody kind of exited and there was Missoula in the second row holding a clipboard going, who, me? And uh, they're like, yeah, you're the fucking coach now, bro. So that's not good. You know what? If the Celtics do lose the series, it'll be interesting to hear the Jason Ter- Jason Tatum narrative. You know, I started thinking, and I haven't, I haven't, I don't tweet basketball, um, but I started thinking secretly, like, is this guy overrated? You know, is this guy a little overrated? I mean, he came through last game, but I don't know, man. I don't know. He doesn't have the mama mentality, though. He doesn't Fucking have shot. that. <laughs> look, look at Chalk coming at me. You know, Mamba had fucking Shaq on his team when he was winning early, so I don't want to hear it. It wasn't Kobe's team. It was Shaq's team. Shaq was the most dominant force in the league. You know that. Mamba wouldn't have won shit without him. And then, don't get me started with Kobe, overrated Kobe. Come on. Get that oh, wow, dude. Rest in peace to the GOAT, man. RIP, I, I, love real I love him now. Dude, uh, I hated him as a player. If we're talking... When he's playing in his playing days, I talk mad shit about Kobe, even though I respect the hell out of him. And I, I told you, man, I fell in love with him, you know, post career. Like that dude was all kinds of fucking dope, man. You know, what? you know, what? I'm glad that he he lost to the Celtics and he beat the Celtics, right? Like yeah. it, he he fulfilled that legacy as well, right? Like you know, he took the Lakers to that to the finals, played against the Beast. Right, you know the game seven, like all that, right? Like oh, the history is all there. Six for twenty four. Six yeah. for twenty four. Yeah, hey man, we awesome. still we still got rings, man. We still got rings. Eight eight against five. That time. Yeah, how many how many banners? Do, how many banners the Lakers have? Oh yeah, one less than the Celtics. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the right amount. But hey, listen, you know, I as much as actually the fans the the, the fans of this show may have actually turned in to hear me and you argue about Lakers Celtics and just talk shit, but. Actually, this is Checks Notes uh, Fantasy Football Podcast. As a matter of fact, the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. And what's crazy is I sent you a monster show sheet because I just sent you a bunch of shit that was like, you know, the stuff that you wrote, that I wrote, that we talk about. And and I just said, let's just hop on there and talk some shit. But, you know, one of the things that I don't know if you noticed, but I'm in a, a startup draft. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I think I might have heard of something about it. Like a... <laughs> Like a high stake starter draft with, you know, the biggest hitters of the entire industry, and somehow, you know, the invite got lost in the mail when it was yeah. sent over to Orange How County. How can I ask you for advice if I invite you? I, yeah. <laughs> so, like, my friend Chris literally goes, "Hey, so uh, let's get some fucking cool people in this league." You know, it's his idea, so he tells me, "I said, all right, cool." He goes, "What about Chalk?" I said, "Anybody but Chalk, bro." <laughs> He ain't in this fucking league, dog. And, and there's two reasons. Number one, I don't want to play against you. Number two, I need I need you in my back pocket when I need you. So that's what it is. And you know, so I was thinking about that. Like, you don't invite me in any leagues, and I don't invite you. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true, man. I mean, I'm in I'm in a quite a bit of leagues, and I think we're literally in one league together. And it's like the undroppables league. Right. Dude, and um, be like, hell, hey, it. yeah. You know, one of the guys will be like, oh, yeah, me and Chalk are in this league, da da da. And oh, yeah, he's in there too, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't fucking hear one word about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, damn well. Yeah. That's funny, man. Cause you know what? Like, you know, whatever, you know, you tell people about not wanting to invite me, you know, I feel the same way, man. 100%. Right. Cause it's like, why would I want to play literally? my mirror image like why yeah, why would i want to do that to myself like it's brutal you know it's brutal it's like it's for sure i'm not brutal. winning every year i guess you can write that off <laughs> yeah absolutely that exactly right 
I mean, it just it, it's so true. But but also, I think we do enjoy, um, you know, sort of being there for each other. And you know, some of that happens like during this during this startup. Been a been a pretty eventful one. I mean, Matt Kelly just called out <laughs> Rhinos uh, on his pod, which was uh, I think kind of funny. Ryan, of course, is a is a is a is a tough dude and and did not take it uh, like a bitch. He basically come out and was like. That's funny. Good for him, and, and took it like a man. I love, I love rhinos for having the fucking thick skin, don't you? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, he lived, he lived up to the rhinos name, you know. Damn right. Um, got yeah. the rhino skin, and you know, Ryan, Ryan's our boy. I love rhino. Yeah. Uh, you know, rhinos, Ryan, Ryan, the, the homie. Um, you know, nothing but love for him, and you know, when, when you sent that to me, you're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, Matt was like, you know, roasting rhinos, like, you know, you better check this out, and I. I I listened to it. And I was like, "Oh shit," you know. Um, but you know what? It, it's in the moment. It's like, "Oh shit!" But then when you kind of really think about it, it's like, "Okay." Like you know what? Like Rhinos is getting on the map. Like he put put himself on the map. You know, he sure you know? did. It, whatever and, and, it is. So and file that under things I could have seen a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Matt is obviously you know he's he's no uh, gentle flower. You know, and and he sort of throws his weight around wherever he is, and and you know that about Matt Kelly. If you know who he is, you know what's up. And Ryan is one of the most annoying players to play fantasy football with because he is chirping and talking. Now I happen to love it because it doesn't annoy me, but he annoys others sometimes. And so yeah, he's he's in there ruffling feathers. He's in there with the with the funny gifts. You make a pick, he's throwing a little shade. He's He's that guy. So, of course, I don't even think it was that bad, whatever he said or whatever. But regardless, it's definitely going to get under the feathers uh, of Matt. And Matt has a big old microphone with a lot of listeners. It was like, I got something a little bit special for Mr. Rhinos. Rhinos took it in stride. Gotta love it. Absolutely fucking fantastic entertainment. And they're still in the league together, and we're still battling it out. And it's fun as hell, man. It's, it's a great league. And it is one of those where it's like, like super, super sharp, you know, it's like your cue, whatever, every 12 picks, it's like 10 of them are gone. Even late in the rounds, you're like, damn, these are a lot of good picks. Like every pick feels like a smart pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll be sending me the, um, the link to the draft, you know, here and there when, you know, when you're, don't, when you're don't coming tell up. Anybody. Don't tell anybody. But it's fun to see the draft board, right? Like I, I'm just yeah. looking at the draft board, you know, I, I wish I was in the league chat just to see, see the action right um i could invite you everybody's got a co-owner in that league i could just invite you but i like you to be the silent partner that's what you are the silent partner yeah yeah and you know um no it's it's just great though right like you know the whole fact that rhinos is going out after the pod father himself right and and rhinos is not you know he knows like he knows if he goes out to the pod father right he might he might get you know clapped back and hey it's all part of the game and that's part of Rhino's strategy is to get kind of get in your head a little bit and have fun. Um, and that's what we're about, right? We're all about having fun. And I mean, it's fantasy football. End of the day, it's, it's, it's a game, bro. And if we're not talking, yep. talking smack, having fun, I mean, what are we really doing here? Right. It's not yes. life or death. It's not, it's not that serious. Um, yeah. So no, it, it's great. And, um, you know, you, you, you definitely have the murderer's row in that league. Um, you know, you got, you got Matt, you got Scott Barrett, you got Theo, 
you got you got the homie Derek and Josh and the Undroppables and Rhinos. So you got you got a handful of Undroppables representing, and then you got some of the you know the industry's you know biggest names. So Elo, his, his team is dope. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a dope team. But let, let, what I wanted to do too is, you know, just for a moment, we'll talk a little bit more about some strategy and stuff. And, but one thing I wanted to share was what my strategy was going into this, into this league. And knowing that potentially everybody was going to be a little bit reticent to make like big trades up or down, a lot of times what you and I will do in a, tr- in a, in a startup draft is be willing to trade back and collect future firsts. I wasn't so sure that that move was going to be available. Um, One of the titties are fun, which is a great name. Uh, He, that's his real name on like, uh, I think that's actually his real name, Uh, but he did it in this league and has like two, well now three, his and two other first round picks, but those are the only 24 firsts that moved. And his team is at a pretty significant disadvantage going into year one. Being, you know, relatively higher stakes, I'd rather have a chance to win in year one. So I kind of, you know, straddled the line between, you know, staying young and staying with a healthy team that can win into the future and a win now team. And that was what my strategy was in this particular league. I don't know if I pulled it off. I tried. But the one thing I did do is I picked at the 107 and got myself Trevor Lawrence. I feel like having a quarterback like that now – Again, one of the things that you and I do in a league is check the scorings, man, scoring settings. And in this league, it's six-point passing touchdowns. There's points for um, uh, completions and incompletions. It's .2 for a completion, minus .3 for an incompletion, six-point passing touchdown, minus three for a pick, minus another three for pick six. So these passing, you know, efficient passers are actually more valuable than prolific passers to some degree. You know what I mean? So that's where Trevor Lawrence fits in. And I even traded up, you know, an early second round to get Dak Prescott, which I don't think a lot, a lot of people like. But again, Dak fits that mold as well. I've got two starters, two great quarterbacks to build around, young enough. Certainly Trevor's very young, and Dak is, what, 29, 28, whatever. Big contract. He'll be around for another four or five years. So that that was the start. What did you think about that? I, I love that start. And, you know, yeah, I mean, just circling back to your first point about, you know, our, you know, most of your listeners know that, you know, the, the trademark Jack Falcone strategy, right? You know, you made your name off this actually is the trade back, right? You have a article, you know, you have articles written about this. I mean, Dino Game Theory 101 is trade back in a startup, accumulate first round picks. Um, it's a modified productive struggle in a sense where, you know, um, you're not just fully punting, right? And right. I think right now like, you're really exemplifying that, you know, it's not about the full punt. And and, and the trade back strategy has become very, very popular, you know, of course, as of late, probably because of your your fault, right? Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm the same way, right? I'm all about the trade back, but it's become, it's come to a point where... There's not much just, of a market. Yeah, yeah. Right? You can't just, if everyone's trading back, then, like, how does that work? Like, not everybody can trade back. Like, you go into a startup league, as soon as the draft order is set, the first top four or five picks are like, oh, this pick is on the block, you know? And it's like, everybody's trading back. Everyone's trading back. And then the first are going to get, you know, soaked up pretty quick if people are moving them. Uh, and then the fact that you're in a high-stakes league, 
people aren't going to be trading back as much because they're trying to win um, right. in year one. And I, I put in that- an offer. I put in an offer for that the one 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 two one three or whatever. You know, I tried to get into that top three to get one of the Mahomes, uh, Allen, or Hertz. Very very expensive. Very very expensive. Almost declined on the spot. No real back and forth, and for those reasons, because they don't want to give up that asset unless they get a, an absolute king's ransom. I don't blame them, but at that point, trading up wasn't very good. And then the prices for trading back a little later in the round, where I had Trevor, didn't seem like good prices either. So again, it was all about a value proposition. I'm like, I'll just take Trevor. He's worth all of it once I pick him. So I think he's worth more when he's on my roster than not. And then the move up to get Dak. Look, I know a lot of people don't like it as much, but to me, he's he was the end of a, a, a of a tier because Deshaun Watson was the only other guy available in that tier. I think he's got some question marks, man. You know, he he didn't look all that good last year. I'm not sure about the team. You know, there was players like Anthony Richardson and the rookies. Um, they're you know a little bit questionable. Kyler Murray was available. He's going to be hurt going into next season. Daniel Jones, too, is probably the only other guy that you could convince me is in that tier, but he's had some concussion issues. So, like, he he's a he's a big hit away from being out for a while. So, for those reasons, I felt like Dak was the last of that tier, and the price to move up to get Dak wasn't that bad. I think I don't think I moved very much. I certainly didn't give up any future draft capital, just sort of moved some stuff in the middle rounds. I think I gave up my third, moved back to a fifth or something, whatever. And so for those, for that, I was, I was fine moving up. And so it's all about value sometimes, Chalk. And I think that's what we're talking about too, is like, if it had been cheap for me to move my second round pick into the top three, I would have done that. And I would have ended up with Trevor Lawrence and one of the top three quarterbacks. That would have been what I was trying to do, but that price was exorbitant. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to go in the top three, top five quarterbacks, other than like Trevor Lawrence, you're paying King's ransom, right? Especially yep. in the types of leagues that you're playing in with, you know, these super sharps, right? Like, you know, I keep talking about like the, the heaviest hitters in the industry, you know, and, and I think when you play with these types of sharps, especially like, you know, the names that you're playing with, you know, it's tight, right? Like the purse strings are tight. People aren't really trying to make these like crazy moves and like everyone's very savvy and, you know, every trade is going to be, I mean, literally equal on the scale, if not, not favoring you. Right. And if it's not favoring you, you don't make the move. Right. So it's like, it's very, you gotta be very strategic. Um, going back to your point about Dak and Deshaun, I mean, to me, they're a coin flip, but I think the coin flip, I favor Dak. Um, Deshaun's younger, but you know, and you know, if all things were equal in a vacuum and we rewinded the tape three years, yeah, it's Deshaun. But it's Deshaun. Agreed. But, but but it's not three years ago, right? right? It's Deshaun, he has his character issues, right? He's literally one misstep, and I don't even want to say, you know, what it is, but one misstep away from being completely canceled or you know, who knows right. what's going to happen. And we don't know. We, we don't know what's going through his head. I mean, this guy's right. weird, you know? Um, and Dak, yeah, maybe he doesn't have like that quote unquote ceiling that uh, Deshaun Watson has, but he also doesn't have like that scary floor or right. the, you know, that character concern of like, Oh, this, this happens and he's done. He's toast. Right. Um, and you know, I, I like the Cowboys offense still, even though there's some personnel changes, you know, up, up top with the coaching and, 
you know, um, Kellen Moore's out, you know, and, and Mike McCarthy's calling the plays, but, you know, Brandon Cooks, you got CD Lamb, of course, right? Tony Pollard. Um, that's, that's, that's basically known a given. And I, I like that. So I do yeah. prefer him. And Deshaun Watson is one bad season away from being a very scary fantasy asset. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's just say this season he has another down year. That's problems, yeah. man. Like, it's yeah. problems. Nick Chubb is old. Yeah. Right? Nick Chubb's going to be good this year, right? I think he's going to be a solid producer, but he's getting oh, yeah. up there in age. There's exactly. no Kareem Hunt. I mean, there's Jerome Ford, and they don't have much draft capital or salary cap. I mean, with the amount they paid for Deshaun Watson. Right. So he has one bad year, and then what? Things you know, then you're staring at the barrel. Cleveland for sure. Yeah, things could get weird in Cleveland, which was kind of the reason that I was a little bit afraid of Deshaun. I mean, I think you saw I actually traded Deshaun away today, too, for my boy Mahomes. You see that? <laughs> I made that trade, oh, too. That was fun. That's a, that's a, that was a beautiful trade, man. I mean, we, we were breaking it down, just comparing, like, you know, the size of the scale. And, I mean, and you know what's funny is Mahomes is so liquid right now. People are actually trading Mahomes, which yeah. is, to me, a true head-scratcher because, like, why? Like, why, why are you trading Mahomes? Like, I... I don't have any Mahomes except one league and I got him for the 102, which became Anthony Richardson, the 110, I believe, which somehow became like Zach Charbonnet. And I know you talked about Zach Charbonnet recently with our yeah. boy JJ. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think Jack Char- Zach Charbonnet is great, but like, so I gave him, I got, I got Mahomes for Anthony Richardson, Zach Charbonnet and a late first next year. Right. So it's you know a decent amount of capital, but it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes, yeah. man, and, it, and it's, I'm not the only one. You got Patrick Mahomes for basically Deshaun Watson and the 110. I mean, you had other pieces in the package, but if you really kind of cancel everything out because you moved Pitts, you got Andrews, and you had some other things going on. Yeah, but uh, people are moving Patrick Mahomes for like less than like four or five first type. Like if I'm moving Mahomes, I want your whole team. Like I want yeah. your whole future. Yes, you know. it's going to be very expensive. It's not. That's the thing that some of these first round picks, like, you know, people overvalue. I mean, it's actually part of the show sheet, but let's talk about it right now. It's like, you know, people will improperly value uh, first round picks sometimes, especially, you know, look, future firsts are, are, are you know, very valuable because before they're made, before you actually pick a person, they can be utilized to get a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Jefferson. Like if you have three or four of them, all of a sudden you can trade them and get one. But you know, like you say, it's Zach Charbonnet. It's a late first. It's like I don't know, man. And you know, one of the one of the other things when you're when you're in when you're in these drafts, I just thought I'd mention this is like if you're in a ten team league, a second round pick is way more valuable. I know this goes without saying, but people don't think of this. A second round pick is way more valuable than in a fourteen team league. I mean. You know, it, it's obvious, but it's like literally a big difference. You know, it's the difference between pick like 15 or pick like 21 is your average second round pick in a, in a 14 as opposed to a 10. You know, so you really are talking about a different class of player. And so I, I think people sometimes get a little bit. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but like people get fucked up with these with these uh, with with these picks. They overvalue first and undervalue seconds. 
And I know Matt Chester always talks about that. The mad jester talks about this all the time. Seconds are the absolute best currency to buy in dynasty. And I, I don't disagree with him. I, I, I love that take, man. You know, uh, you know, shout out to Jester, one of the newest undroppable on the team. Yeah, and I saw that tweet too, and I, I was just nodding my head, like, man, that's the classic, you know, Jack's chalk squeeze right there. Like, yeah, you know, give me a second and I'll throw you a third, you know, yeah. <laughs> or you know, give me a second for this, you know, this aging running back that I don't need anymore. That's just going to be clogging my roster in a year. Or the you deal's know? almost done. Just throw in a second, and almost always I'll be like, sure. I mean, even for I sure. would basically yeah. do that if I'm making a purchase. If I'm buying a, a player and buying a, the deal and I'm like, like if, if I'm trading for Mahomes and all of a sudden someone's like, all right, the deal's fine. Just throw in a second. And we're good. You're like, okay, fine. And, and so that's, but you, you do it in a way that's almost like you don't even value it in your head. You're like, fine. It's just a fucking second, but that could be T Higgins. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that could be Jalen Waddle. Um, and yeah. so that's what that player could be. That's who the type of players drafted in second rounds. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, if I trade a first, my future first in my leagues, which, you know, which I do once in a while, right? Like, I'm not always just stocking up the Iron Bank. But if I trade one of my first, like my 2024 first, you know, and I usually if I'm, if it's, I wouldn't trade it if I know it's going to be early or if my team's bad, right? Because that's, right. that's bad process. But if I do, I'm keeping my second. Like, it's just one of those things, like, I'm going to keep my second because I know that it's going to come in handy, whether I'm going to use it or I'm going to, you know, like draft somebody or I'm going to, you know, when I'm on the clock, I'm going to trade back a few spots to get another second plus a third or maybe another future second because um, people are willing to throw those seconds around. Um, but yeah, the second round draft pick, I feel like is a secret weapon, right? And that or, kind of... Or, or even more so, if you're trading away your first to get something and you're doing that and they're like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. it if you can get a third or a second back, it yeah, offsets... Especially yeah. if your first is late and their second is early, it's almost like you didn't trade shit for nothing. You know, it's like it's like this this perception. Now, of course, it could be the reverse where your team sucks and it's an early first versus a late second. But I've done it in situations where I know my team is pretty good, above average, and the team I'm trading with is maybe average or maybe below average, and I'm getting their second for my first, even though they're valuing my first as a first, and their their second is getting thrown into the deal. And it's like, that's a big fucking difference. That's the, the we're, so the, the attitude towards each of those assets becomes the inequity. If that makes sense. It does, man. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm all, I'm all about the squeeze, you know, and you know that. Yeah. And yeah, if I can get a second back or a third back, I mean, a third, it's not like every third is you become Jalen hurts. Right. But a third could become Jalen Hurts because it has, it literally has in the last handful of years. So right. why wouldn't you always seek another draft pick? Because like we talked about many times, draft picks are currency. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, shout out to the, my, my, our boy Blake, um, you know, who was, who was tweeting about how, you know, it's not all about value and who cares about the extra third or the extra second, but I care. Because I do. Yeah. That, that, that's that's an extra dollar fifty in my pocket that I'm going to use to go buy a player later on, or I'm going to yes. use that dollar fifty and I'm going to hold it for a year, and then when I trade back, that dollar fifty is going to become two dollars. And you and you know when seconds and thirds are the most valuable. 
is when they're on the clock. Exactly. Because somebody's favorite player slipped to your 211 or to your 304. And you're on the clock with your 211 or your 304 or whatever the hell it is. And you're like, and, and they come a ringing. And you're yeah. like, oh, oh, looks like your guy is here, whoever it is. And that's why we don't have guys that will just do anything for. I mean, even when, you know, I've traded the picks away to, to I traded away uh, the picks that I would have been able to take either Jaden Reed or Marvin Mims with. In, in, a, in, a, in a rookie draft recently because the price was right and the deal I got was right. And I got a future 24 second and whatever, you know, it all worked out. I, so the point is, is when you're about to take that pick and someone's super hot for that player, you can leverage that into a future, like a third becomes a, a 24 second. Well, okay. So the three, four becomes a 24 second. I don't know which one, but it's going to fucking for sure be a higher pick than it is today. And it might even be the two Oh one, which is, Damn near a first, and when it's when it's on the clock, you can reap even more value. And so this is what happens with the second and thirds. When when they're in the future, they're almost not even thought of. When they're on the clock, sometimes they can be super, super valuable. Yeah, you know, like I'm in drafts right now where I mean you mentioned Jaden Reed and he's slipping to two nine, two ten, two eleven. And I already used my, you know, my early second, you know, that I already acquired, you know, because maybe I traded you know, I swapped seconds or whatever because I knew the second was going to be early and I got my Kendra Miller or, you know, Devin A. Chain. And then Jaden Reed sitting there at 2-9, 2-10. I'm, I'm like, damn, like, I want that pick too, you know? Like, yes. I wish I had that pick. Um, you know, and there, there is, you know, I just said, like, you know, I'm going to contradict myself, but there, there are leagues where I trade away my second. You know, maybe I had two firsts or something, right? And then I'm looking at it and my pick is like 2-10. And Jaden Reed's sitting there. I'm like, damn. Like, yeah, I had a first out of that deal, and but I'm not thinking about it. And I'm staring at that pick. And yes. that second-round pick starts to look real good, right, <laughs> yeah. when the guy's when you there. you don't like, have it. When you don't have it, right? And yeah. Or, you know, it's like someone else has it. It wasn't even your pick, but you're like, damn, like, I wish I had that pick right now because, like, these guys are slipping, right? Marvin Mims is slipping to 210. Like, how is this even possible right now? You know, like I need this. Like I want to, want to grab this guy or Sam Laporta, who I like. Like, yes. how is he at two eleven? Like right now, yes. people are people are just sleeping on this guy. You know, yep. and I'm debating like, do I give up a future second and a future third for this? And usually I don't. Um, I think I got away with highway robbery the other day where Sam Laporta slipped to like two eleven or two ten in the league, tight end premium, and I just threw out a next year second. I just threw it out there like, hey, like let's just swap like this year right. second for next year second. And because it's a late second this year and the guy, you know, for whatever reason, thinks like I'm going to not be as good next year or whatever, he took right. it. And I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, um, I mean, that's rare. But, you know, going no, back to Jess's point, like, yeah. seconds are and, gold. And I think a lot of times what you do and, and it's certainly what I do is like if you have two or three seconds, two or three thirds in a draft, you don't know, like in the future, it doesn't matter. Twenty twenty four. Well, well, when that draft finally gets here, you're going to look up and be like, "Oh, I have the two three, the two seven, the three one, the three eight, and the three eleven. It's like, huh, okay. And then the draft starts happening, and what those picks allow you to do is to maneuver. Yes, because you can, you know, you you may pick, you may say, "Oh, here is the end of." It. You can move back. You can move up. You can say, "Hey, take my three one. I'll take your next year's third. Boom. You can. 
you've got the flexibility to get your guys and still retain value. Um, so you can come away with two or three guys and then two or three picks next year. And you're like, fucking A, I've got all my guys and I have the same flexibility and capital going into next year. And that's a beautiful thing. Yes, absolutely. Or you could, let's say you have a 208 and the 306. And I've been doing this. And, you know, because you have like a ton of draft picks, right? Like looking at, you know, your leagues and, you know, the stash that you have, you have like way too many picks and not enough roster right. spots, right? So either you're right. trading back to next year or you're just moving up. Like I've got so yes. many damn picks that I'm going to just throw picks at you. Like, hey, I want to move up to like 202 because I want Devin Chain because he's slipping. Yes. I'm like watching yes. this guy like just fall down because people are taking Will Levis at like, 110 or 19 and you know just taking ridiculous players mingo at 112 and you know and i'm like dude 202 like i want to move up from the 208 or 206 i want to throw you a late third along with my late second and move up right so it gives you a lot of that move like movement flexibility where yes you can just toss around mm-hmm. later picks and get the guys you really believe in in the yes. earlier half of the second round or, you know, maybe there's someone in, you know, the mid first round that you want. So you're going to take, you know, a couple of seconds and toss it around. And every league's different, of course, right? Not every league are built the same, but. I'll give you an example, Chuck. To, to, just before the show, I was talking to Chris and we were looking at one of the trades we made. And that was, I made the trade with him where it was, um, I traded him Dobbins. He gave me Rashad White plus the 2.06. And, um, I was looking at that and he, I, he goes, who'd the 2.06 end up becoming? And I look and I'm go, oh shit, the, I didn't even take the 2.06. Where did I do? And I looked and I moved up from the 2.06 to the 2.04 to take Zay Flowers. So wow. because I had that 2.06, I was able to, to make a move to move up to get Zay Flowers. So really Dobbins turned into Rashad White and Zay Flowers. Wow. You know what? That's funny because I remember you were just on with Matt. Um, the pod father on his show, I believe on mine and mansion. And you talked about that trade. I think that was the show that yes. you, you mentioned that you traded Dobbins for, for white and that second. And I remember very clearly Matt saying like, wow. Like, I mean, just like Dobbins for Washaw Wright would have been a great deal. But on top of that, you got a second. And then you tell, you're telling me that the second became, say flowers which is and which is great you know and you know and i i i haven't played with chris in the league but i got nothing but love for him because i've interacted with him in in your um your listener league that he's a part of and i commission um so you know you know like i mean that's 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 incredible and that's that's just a great story for your listeners to know that you know you have to just know how to play the fringes right and and know how to extract value um, at all times, right? At, no matter what the circumstances are. And, you know, Dobbins is, is still a great prospect. I, I, th- I still think Dobbins is going to be very productive, but to get a, well, it's a player... Having, it's, Chuck, it's having the capital to be in that position to move up to get him when he's falling. Like, I didn't know Zay Flowers was going to be falling there. You know, yeah. that wasn't the the move when I made it. I just thought, well... Getting that capital, you know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, this is a weak draft. It's not a very good pick. Like I literally, those thoughts were running in my head too when I made that deal. It's like I'm selling down off of Dobbins to Rashad. I, Dobbins has, you know, I mean now Dobbins, look, the C's parted for both of them. Neither Tampa Bay nor Baltimore 
drafted a running back. They both or either could have, right? Neither did. And so they both kind of survived the draft and free agency thus far. But before all that, we didn't know. And it was a gamble either way. But I was like, I'll take the gamble. Hope my guy wins. Plus I get the pick. Who knows what the pick could be? It might not be much. But as it turned out, it was it put me in a position to make a play towards something I didn't even know would be there. So that's kind of the point. It's like when you have enough picks, sometimes you can just play it that way. And I think that's kind of like why we do the – and it's not a productive struggle. I, I understand that that term, and it's the best fucking term. So uh, no shade against the term, but productive, maybe it's a little bit of a struggle. But ultimately what I look at it is I'm just willing – to trade down. I was thinking about this. Like one thing when you're in a startup, Chuck, and I know you've been this guy, once you make the first trade, like some people will ask, well, how do you, how do you even get the deals? And so what I do is when I'm on the clock, let's say I've, I'm on my, it's my second round pick and you know, AJ Brown's available and all these awesome players. And I'm just like, I'm willing to not be the guy that drafts A.J. Brown, even though I would totally take A.J. Brown at this pick because he's the next awesome guy, I'm willing to sell the pick. So then you just literally send offers to everybody in the league. Now, here's the thing. If you're in a lot of leagues, this is tedious, and you can't, you just can't do it. But if, if, you're, if you want to do the strategy, that's what you do. And so you send out a move back you know, from the second, your second-round pick as an example, to maybe a fourth or fifth pick, maybe even further, plus their 24 first, plus a few other like little switcheroos. And they look at it and go, hmm, yeah, A.J. Brown, fuck it. <laughs> like they, they put a player's name to that one pick they're getting, and to them it's all worth it. Whereas at this, on the flip side, who knows what you might be getting something nearly as good in the fourth or fifth or whatever, plus the first, plus yada, yada. So – that's how you do it. You just send that offer out, even if it's totally in your favor at first. You send it to everybody. Maybe one, two, three, four of the of the other league managers are going to respond. Maybe they'll fucking click accept. It just takes that's one. Man. It just takes one. And I love how you said that because people ask me all the time, right? And this is the question that the one question I get probably the most is like, how the hell do you do this? Right. Like, like, how the hell do you pull this off? Right. Or the haters are coming. Oh, you play in some dummy league and invite me. I think I saw someone text, yeah. uh, tweet you that. Oh, invite me to your next league. It's like, yeah, you know why? You know why we get these deals done? Because we do what you, what you just said. We send that offer to everyone in the damn league and we don't advertise it in the entire chat. We're right. like in the back channel. Like I'm in the back channels every, every single day. And I'm probably literally a psychotic person to actually be doing this, <laughs> like literally, because you said I'm in too many. We're too many, too many damn leagues to even do this. But I'm like, actually, I actually do this every day in every single one of my leagues. I'm sending offers out, right? If I'm in, if I'm in the draft, I'm definitely sending offers out like every pick, and it just takes one man. And all you right. got to do is find a person, and they don't need to click accept. If they even engage with me, it's like oh. Or, oh, it's game. It's game. Yes. You know, like let's play. You know, you were, you responded to me in a DM. All right, cool. You know, like, so I'll, I'll, I'll send offers out. I'll add them in the DMs. Like, Hey, offer. And, and I'm going to say this because you know what? I, I love your listeners. I love, I love what you're, you're building here. So I'm, I'm going to say this. Just, you know, you drop the DM 
You don't put it in the chat. You don't say, "Hey, everybody, I dropped you an offer," or "Hey, I'm I'm selling right. this pick." Like, work in silence. Assassins move in silence, right? Like, it's that yes. the Jax Falcone, the professional Leon coming from behind with the switchblade. I, I I love that thing. It's like you don't even know it's going to hit you until it hits you. No one knows what you're doing until it's done. And right. my line is open to open to discussion. Right. right. I'm open to discuss this. Right. Yes. And because you are actually. Because, I am. Because, because the, I, the truth confident. is, is that there, you, even though you might make a trade that like is a good trade for you value wise. What did I do the other day? <clears throat> I sent the one seven or the, excuse me, like the one eight and the one nine, I think for the one six or the one five in a rookie draft, you know, a super flex draft. And when I made the trade, the comments were like, geez, that's kind of expensive. And I was like, well, why else would he do it? Why else would someone sell the one? It ended up being Jameer Gibbs. So I was basically moving like the, like Quinton Johnson and Zay Flowers for Jameer Gibbs is basically the way I looked at it. I don't know if that's a good trade or not, but I really needed a running back. Jameer Gibbs could be as a top five running back. It was a move I made. But the point I'm making with this is, if you're buying a pick or buying a player, why would the seller do it unless you make them an offer? They're like, fuck, this is good for me. This is good value. So you have to lose the value when buying. So that's normal. Everybody should know that. Like if I'm going to buy Patrick Mahomes, I'm not expecting to win on the value. I actually know I need to pay value. The The, the move I made today to spy Patrick Mahomes, I gave him uh, Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson. So we got two quarterbacks, two legit starting quarterbacks. Plus he got Kyle Pitts, plus he got the 110. Now I got Andrews back and I got Mahomes back, right? But like okay, well that and then we swapped we did also swap 24 <laughs> first. Which, you got the better first. I mean, I looked at your I looked at your team after the fact. I'm like, yeah. Did this guy really get your 112 like for his like but that's the I, chalk I didn't see squeeze. His team. Yeah, that's the that's chalk, the chalk squeeze. squeeze. That's the chalk that's squeeze. The chalk squeeze. That, that's the extra shit that I get all the time. But, you know, because it's like you send that and, the, and, the, and they're like, fuck it, you know, whatever. So anyway, whatever. But the point of the matter is, is that I knew I wasn't going to win it, win the Patrick Mahomes bidding unless I pay up. I have to put Deshaun Watson and all these pits is a fucking dope tight end. Like he's 22 years old. Like, yes, that's a I need to give him something. Otherwise, he's like, why am I doing this? So to the point, when you're when you're in willing to discuss, it's like, yes, you're willing to find out where their motivations lie, so that you can create a, a, a deal that behooves you that that gets their job done. What exactly. are they trying to do? Because exactly. sometimes you'll send something, and they're like, I don't really want to move. Like they're trying to go to, to your second round startup pick, and you include their third round. They're like, I kind of want to keep that. You're like, gotcha. How many times does that happen in a DM? Totally. And I'm like, oh, I just need them to pay more, but I'll I'll get I'll go from their fifth. I'll go for their fifth rounder, make them super happy. Then they'll give me their 24 first and their 24 seconds. They're like, sweet. I don't have to give it my third or my fourth. Great. What a win for me, they think. Now, granted, that's a win for me, but that's a win-win, really. I mean, I won the value, but they don't they don't see it that way. They see it as this person went for the trade that I'm trying to make. And and that's what willing to discuss means. And exactly. so 
being creative and being flexible and understanding how to make those moves with people and to keep the lines of communication open. Look, if someone sends something stupid back, you'd be like, that ah, just doesn't work for me. Move on. It's okay. I, there's no reason to badmouth them either. Now, one yeah. thing I, I will say, you said this, bud, this is a sneaky little fucking secret, but sometimes if I have only one trade partner, um, you know, I may drop something in the public DM, like working a couple offers. I'll, I'll let you know soon guys. Yep. Yep. I love that you one. Know, that's, that's, that's I, mean, I love that one. Got a couple offers I'm looking at. And then the, the, the one guy I'm working is thinking, fuck that dude. That's my fucking, I'm getting this pick. And look, it may be true. I may have two. I may not, but either way, it's polite to tell the league that I'm working a couple offers, whether it's one or three or none. Sometimes I hey, say, well, I've got none. And that hey, I'm looking to yeah. get some offers. Like I'm working a couple offers. Should yeah, have a deal you're not here lying. In a minute. You're not lying Fuck though, that. right? You're sending out offers. You're working a couple offers. You're sending them out, right? Yes. And like, and and that's 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 game theory, right? I mean, that's yes. that's Dino game theory. You know, your namesake right there. It's yeah. I'm I'm working a couple offers. Am I am I in active discussion with X amount of people? I don't know. Maybe and it's maybe okay I am. If you but it's I'm, okay. That's but, but it's not a lie, though, right? It's, it's I am working. I'm, I'm I'm sending offers out. I'm working them, right? I'm working them. I'm I'm shopping this pick. I'm yep. making moves. I'm active, and yep. people start to know like, oh, this guy's not playing around. Like this guy is actually trying to make moves. Like right. I better I better start dancing, right? Like he wants to dance. Let's dance. And, and also, sometimes someone might say like, what are they moving up for? Oh shit, AJ Brown's there. Fuck. Well, I want AJ Brown. Maybe I can get in yeah. this game. I, I know I've done that when I've been on the sidelines and someone's like, got a couple out. I'm like, I want to get in this. Let me see what it takes. Sometimes yeah. I've made that, that trade. And I don't, you know what, from my perspective, I don't really care if there was a bunch of guys or none or me or who cares really, if it works for me, I'm glad I made the deal anyway, but you can drum up business by doing stuff like that. Just, you know, Hey, if you're really intent on making that trade and <clears throat> I've done this too, this is one that I don't love to do, but I've done it sit on the clock a little bit. People start wondering what's going on in the league. Here's the other the thing, Chalk. Not everybody's paying attention to every pick, are they now? So therefore, mm-hmm. if you're on the clock with your whatever the fuck pick you got and you try to make a trade, there could be only two or three people even paying attention right now anyway. But if you milk the clock a little, if you send a couple offers to some of the guys, all of a sudden now it's like flies, bees to honey, right? Now there's maybe – Maybe 10 or 11. Maybe all of them are in there. Maybe it's eight or nine, but it's more than two or three that were in there. So by sometimes creating the, the chit-chat about your pick or at least get sending offers, you're just creating more customers or more activity in and around your pick. And now all of a sudden you – here's the, the other thing that happens, and you'll you'll agree to this. Once you make one or two trades early in a startup, now every, all the other all the other guys know he's the one that's doing that. So if I want a pick, I can go to him and he'll make that move. Yes. Some guys are in quote win now mode, but not him. He's he's in fucking give me his pick mode. So I know I can give up my first and pick later to get that motherfucker's pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this ha- this happens to me quite a bit, and I like literally want to throw my phone across the room. And it's I'm very quick to make a pick. Like I don't follow right what you just said. Right, like you know our mantra is like you know, play the clock a little bit, you know, I, I'll hear the OTC and this and that. And I'm like, I got eight hours, man. The commission gave me eight hours. I'm going to, I'm going to use this damn thing. Um, and then you make the pick, right? Like you're like, okay, like I'm going to be a nice guy or I, oh, I want this guy. I'm, I'm not going to shop the pick or I get lazy and I don't want to shop it. And you make the pick. The very the next, next pick, 
Yep. The guy, literally, the guy goes on the clock, and he's not even putting his pick on the block or anything, like at least publicly. And he gets but a like, great trade. But he gets a great trade within seconds. Yes. Right? Because you know someone just like sent an offer, like snap, sent an offer. Yep. And you're like, dude, I are you serious? It. Like, I would have done that deal in negative three seconds. Like, I would have done that like yesterday. Right? Yes. And I'm just like, that happens to me all the time, man. And I'm like, why the heck did I, why the heck did I pick so fast? Like, why didn't I yes. do my due diligence? You yes. know? Yes. And trading, a lot of people realize, like, maybe they don't do realize that trading in Dynasty isn't just about the being the proactive one or sending the offers or, or all that. It's, it's like that marketing. Like you got to market yourself. You got to create that brand entity, like you said, the, the identity that this guy likes trading. This guy likes trading back. This guy's willing to make moves or he's, right, he's a this, willing partner. Yes. Exactly. Right. Like it's all part of like, it's all part of the package. And I know some people have questioned, you know, one, one guy, you know, quit my leagues because he went on some crazy tirade that chalk its deals because of his reputation. And yeah, as a head scratcher, I was like, people actually hate me. Like, <laughs> why would you say like people actually try to milk me more because they know I'm trying to milk them. Right. right? And it's become like, it's this this kind of laughing thing that inside joke I have with myself is like, this guy doesn't realize that I'm making trades because I'm proactive. I'm marketing right. myself. I'm marketing the picks. I'm doing everything I can to make a deal. Well, and he refuses. When, he refuses to understand that you're actually good at this. That's what his problem is. So, but, but the thing the is, like, is, is, yeah. But it's yeah, like right. you know, it's it's being very proactive. Yes. It's being patient, right? I think to your point, and doing your due diligence. Because if you don't do those things and you miss the deal and you watch someone else get it, you don't have yourself to blame. <laughs> that's exactly right, and and that's it. So, I mean. You know, I think that's actually a great like question and answer. I I really believe that there are people listening to this right now going, "Oh fucking hey, now that's how you do it." I mean, I did a lot less of that in this startup. I mean, I didn't want to move back too much because I really didn't want to cede too much value in the in the original. You know, the 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 the, the first year of the league, um, but I do it sometimes. And and you know, depending on the on the on the stakes, on the buy in, on the on the crowd you're running with, like. Also, when I'm playing in some looser players, like by loose, I just mean like not as sharp. I feel like I can I can thread the needle even more. Like I can trade back even more, and get, you know, like I think I showed you that one league I'm in. I had like seven or eight twenty three firsts, you know, and it's like that was a last year's startup where I just. I just got all of the fucking 23 first. I just kept trading back. And the cost of trading back was a, your, your 23 first. That was all I cared about. And the rest of the deal, we can figure it out. But the cost of this pick is a 23 first. And then I'll move back wherever the fuck we have. You know, we'll talk about that. Um, but that was it. And so I did that as many times as I possibly could, like literally to the point where I had so many first. And then the funny thing happens is that I still get a pick. Like sometimes when you sell a player straight up, if I sell you Devontae Smith for a 24 first, it's one for one. You know, I gave you Devontae Smith. You gave me the 24 first. When you trade back in a in a startup and you trade your second round pick for a sixth round pick and you get a 24 first or whatever, you still got a player in the sixth round. 
and whoever that might, it might be like Brandon Ayuk and he got Devonte Smith. Well, I don't know. That seems like a pretty good deal for the guy who got Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he got a 24 first and Brandon Ayuk and you got, you know, you get my drift. And so you're not selling it one for one. If you were just selling your pick straight up just for a 24 first, that'd be less of, 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 of something I'd want to do, but you're actually getting sometimes more than that too. Sometimes you trade from like the second to the fifth, plus you get their seventh and you give them your ninth or something. So you move up later. It, like those are the types of deals I like to do. Cause here's the thing. The same thing happens in a startup that happens when we talk about like, when you think about like, if you ask someone for their 25 second, they're like, yeah, whatever, fucking whatever. I don't care about it. If you're trying to trade your third round startup pick back to a sixth or a fifth and you ask them to move up from the 15th to the 10th, they're like, yeah, whatever. Fucking don't give a shit. You know? <laughs> I don't give a, that's way in the future. I don't give a shit. Like, but once they're in the 10th and you got two picks in the 10th, it's so fucking awesome because the players in the 10th are so much better than the ones in the 15th. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And then that's, that's, that's the other trick that you're you're giving away to your listeners is yeah, right. It doesn't always have to be a future first round pick in 2024 or 2025. It's moving up five six rounds in a startup draft from you know a 15th, 16th round to a ninth or tenth round pick. Um, because yeah, I mean the, the teardrops from the ninth or tenth to the fifteenth round is is steep and 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 then when you're in the 10th round you can sell that pick for a second or a second plus right like oh okay i'll give it to you for a 13th round pick in a second you know and you're like you know (laughs) so it's just just, a snowball effect yeah it's just more value and yeah and that's the other part of it i think the unspoken thing is people get sharp or they think they're sharp and they're like, Oh, I'm not going to trade my future picks. It's like, okay, fine. Like I don't want to pay the future buy-ins or this or that, or I don't want to trade my future picks. Okay, fine. Let's just do a pick swap. You know, I'm going to move back around here and I'm going to move up three, four, five rounds there, you know? And then, and then, (laughs) I mean, I've done that. I've done the same, I've done the same thing where I move up and I'm going to do a pick swap. And then I get to the 10th round. I don't have my 10th round pick. All of a sudden, people are reaching for 10 rounds and then there's value. I'm like, damn it. Like, I really yes. want this guy, but I can't get him now because like, I don't have my 10th. And now yes. I'm like searching my picks. Like, what am I going to give up to now move up to get this? Right. And, you know, I, you know, a lot of our, our, our strategy has come from trial and error as well. Right. Like, we only know this is true because either, we've made those mistakes early on in our dynasty careers. And I think we're still somewhat nascent. I mean, I, I definitely am, you know, I'm not by any means a elder statesman, at least my, my eyes. So I, I've seen, I have seen the downside of that. Um, and I've also reaped the rewards of doing the opposite end of doing the right, right. thing. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great strategy tip for others as well as People are getting really sharp about, oh, I don't want to get my future first away or my future seconds. Okay, but there's other ways to move back or move around That's the right. board. And you yeah. know, next thing you know, you know, if you're on a snake draft where you're, you know, you're either on the the left side of the, the draft board or the right, you know, when you're able to make moves throughout the draft, when you start looking back, you're like, 
I'm on both sides of the draft board. Like any round, I'm on the yeah. left side or the right side. And I'm 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 picking all the time. You know, like yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, yes. A, that's the other best feeling. Other than having a bunch of firsts, it's like, man, I'm all over the draft board. You know, I'm getting yes. value no matter where it's falling. Like you're gonna fall on bingo. You know, the even yeah. rounds or the odd rounds. Like I'm getting I'm getting value no matter what. So yeah, that's right. So if you can trade back from like your second, like you can trade micro moves too. Like someone's in at the two ten and they want to move to the two three and you're like, okay, yeah, two ten to the two three. I'll 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 get your you know, I'll give you uh my uh seventh for your sixth and your tenth for my twelfth. Now all of a sudden I moved up a little bit. I'm a little snugger in there. <clears throat> I do it again. You know, I trade my the two ten for someone's three ten and you know now I moved a couple other picks up. And now all of a sudden <clears throat> I still have the 310 and I only moved from the 23 to the 310 and it turned out to be not a big difference to me like, whatever you know it's like I don't know I went from CD Lamb to Amon Ra or something whatever it's like who gives a shit you know they're both dope or whatever I'm making that up I'm not saying that that's exactly where they'd fall but you get my drift and then I also now have all these sort of picks that have kind of I've shuffled them up I've moved them from you know the 10th 11th and 12th or 13th round into the 6th 7th 8th or whatever and now I've got like you say, all these speckled picks, and now I've got depth. So now when I pick all these players, or I can trade them, I, I have so much more flexibility, and and that's it. Um, <clears throat> this 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 only works, of course, if it's a little bit of a deeper starting lineup. I mean, if it's start eight or something, you're kind of actually seeding value. All those things are part of the strategy. But one other thing I was thinking about when we do this too is like, okay, well, you do all this, Sometimes people just pick the wrong types of players, you know, and I was thinking about this. The dynasty curve has to be thought about at all times. And the dynasty curve is very simple. A player's value, if you look at their value over the course of time, you know, when they were 21 years old as a rookie till when they were 32 years old, when they retire or whatever, they, they start off with less value. They increase in value than they decrease in value. That's the fuck how it works, you know? Like Amari Cooper right now is a is a receding value. I mean, he's been so good for so long. Like, go look at his numbers. You're like, God dang. Same thing with Mike Evans. You're like, fucking A. And those two guys, as an example, might give you, who knows, maybe even two or three more years of like maybe even elite production, possibly. But either way, whether they do that or not, even if they do that, their value is slipping because the market knows, hey, these guys are getting older. So – understanding that despite their production, you're either buying production or buying value. So so if you can buy production with value, that's the best type of players that you want to add. And I would ask you, Chuck, how has zero RB and running back fragility sort of changed the types of players that you're drafting in a startup? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's definitely changing again right now, right? So, you know, Traditionally, and, and, and up until this year, you know, I think zero RV was very effective. And I think it's become even more effective now, um, right? So kind of to your, to your example earlier about, you know, starting your startup, your, your high-stakes startup draft, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, right? Really building a team with, you know, in a super flex league with, you know, these – solid, you know, obviously one elite quarterback, one really good second quarterback, uh, you know, and or insulating with a bunch of receivers, right? I mean, that's 
really the way to go I would do, of course, in a zero RB because you're not, you're fading the running backs. Um, But we're definitely seeing a shift in the paradigm right now where the bell cow continues to die. It becomes, it's becoming a, you know, an endangered species. And, you know, you have to make the decision, right, of do I, in a startup draft, do I build, you know, with the quarterbacks and do I build with some running backs? Um, because the wide receiver dead zone now is becoming a little scarier, right? Because in the dead zone, you're looking at guys like Mike Evans, who's still very productive, or Mike Evans, um, DeAndre Hopkins. Right. So you're looking at some of these aging wide receivers who are in the dead zone. Right. And if you don't, if you don't insulate yourself with some good young receivers early on, like a Jefferson, Chase, Amon St. Brown, Olave, Devonta Smith. Right. I'm just kind of naming some names off the top of my head of some guys that I really like right now. Then you're kind of looking at, you know, the situation of, oh, I drafted. You know, Jonathan Taylor and Bijan Robinson early. And now I'm looking at these wide receivers that are going to be really old and starting to fall off the fall off, you know, the cliff age cliff. So it's definitely an interesting time. You know, and I'm you, still you lose value both ways though, Chuck, right? So if you do yeah. that, you have running backs early that are fragile that are gonna time out much more quickly. So Bijan and Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor will be worth nothing. There'll be nobody's in the league. They'll be out of the league. And Jefferson and Chase and Amon Ross and Brown and CeeDee Lamb will still be producing at 29 years old. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, they're, may- they're maybe not elite anymore. Who knows? Probably Jefferson will be the way he's playing. My God. But, you know, I think I was showing you a trade that I was I took over an orphan. I don't even know why I did it. It's like a $25, $50 league or whatever. But I showed you this team and I was like, I had Jefferson. And someone sent me a trade. I tried to sell them just to see. I don't think I'm going to do it at all. But, you know, if someone overpaid, it may be a good way to help rebuild the team because it's not all that good. But um, I have Jefferson, and someone sent me Waddle and a first. I don't remember which one. It might have been, I don't remember what, like the eight or something, one eight, one six. Doesn't even, it was one six because it was like Waddle and JSN, maybe. No, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But Waddle was the key piece. It was like Waddle and something. For Jefferson, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, and then I looked, and Jefferson's younger than Waddle. <laughs> He's 23. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it, I'm not even getting younger here. Like, Jefferson's the fucking skeleton key, man. Yeah, he is man. so good. Like, such a good building block because he's 23 as a wide receiver. My point here is these wide receivers age gracefully. And then you so you lose the running backs in the front end, and then you also lose the falling receivers in the back end. You might as well take the young receivers up front and, you know, running backs. Miles Sanders is going to give you just as much as, you know, I mean, he's not as good, I understand, but he, he could, could last. He's got a new contract. Like, he's yeah, got two you years. Buy, you can buy running back production, you know? like I, yeah, And that's exactly. one thing I, I've been banking on is you can buy low-end RB1, RB2 production fairly cheap. I mean – Aaron Jones is like probably on his Bingo. last legs in terms of like, yeah, you know, a running back you really want. Um, I mean, Joe Mixon, who knows right. what's going to happen to him right now? Dalvin, or Dalvin, right? 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 So but like, cheap. So, I mean, they're so cheap compared to where they were like a year ago or two years ago, right? That 
it's like, yeah, I'll throw a second at these guys. If I'm contending, like, why not? Right? Because, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a risk on investment. But if they even produce high-end or mid-level RB2 numbers, like, I mean, literally top 20 at the running back position numbers, why they not? Off. Like, yeah, they paid it off. Paid off. It paid off, you know? Yeah. And But try getting top 20 wide receiver production for that price. I mean, luck. it's really hard. Good I mean, luck, it's man. like Lockett, maybe. Like, there's only a few guys. That I was going to say Lockett because like, I saw you tweet about Lockett being the skeleton key in, yeah. in, in drafts. And as soon as I saw that, I was sending out offers to Lockett and like every, like I literally went to sleeper so cheap. and I literally looked up Lockett on my, on my, you know, the players um, tab. And you know, when you're like in sleeper, you can like drop to the drop yes. down and see like what leagues. So I picked, I, I went to Lockett and I clicked on his name, hit the uh, little drop down. And then I opened it all up. So I could see all my leagues and it says like, which leagues do you have them? Which just says drop. And then which leagues you don't have them says trade. I'm literally hitting trade and going back to like the earlier topic we talked about, I'm literally hitting trade on like every single fucking league where I'm competing. And I don't even, I don't even know if I have DK or JSN. Like I don't give a shit. Like I'm literally going to that league, hitting that trade button and like second send or whatever, some fucking random younger wide receiver that I could give a shit less about, you know, plus a third or whatever. Right. I'm just like, just spamming offers and then and then i go into and you know once you send a trade you know in sleeper it's like it sends a dm so then i go into my dms and then i literally add whoever it is like add dino game theory you know offer open discussion and let's talk about it right so going back to tying it all back in right it's yeah man like there are there are gonna be some wide receiver values of course but it's very rare and of course, I got denied on all of those, right? Because the people are pretty smart and saying, wait, like, why would I give up this receiver who's going to put up some solid production? But then to buy an Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon's ADP is rising and his value is rising. And people are, you know, like, oh, well, they didn't invest really in the wide running back position. So maybe I'll hold on to him. Um but you can buy running back production. I, I keep saying this to people all the time. Like, you can just buy running backs like yes. mid season, like literally mid season. You just buy running backs, you know, like that you need. Buy David Montgomery. Go buy Miles Sanders. Go buy Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. You know, Aaron Jones. Like, maybe not today because people are like maybe kind of stingy or you know they're they're holding their hopes out for something to happen. But the the time will come where these you know, pretenders are holding these running back assets and they realize that it's either bail now and get whatever I can for them or just sink with the ship. And the yes. smart players are going to trade them away for whatever they can get. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, I said, I said you trade about Samaje P. Ryan and you <laughs> told me, don't do it. This guy's a trap. And I agree because he's a, we text each other at the same time. Like, yeah, I said, I don't trust him. He said he's a trap. Yes. Those um, but texts yeah. literally arrived at each other at the same time. We're but like, yeah, but, like, but there's going to be those players that are a trap. And there's going to be those running backs that are a smart buy when the time comes. We're only in May. You don't need to be buying running backs for your contenders right. in May. That's like, right. That's right. I really don't care how good your team is right now. 
and you need a running back to put you over the top, you don't need to buy that running back in May. Like you buy That's that right. running back in November, December. Yep. You know, if when- your team's good enough, it will be competing with nobody in your RB two slot. Exactly. Like literally, if your team is a contender, you four, can have a five, zero. WR one and twos. Yeah. Like literally, guys are just producing every week consistently. You're gonna have solid quarterback, super flex. You're going to have, you know, a good RB1, a decent RB1. Maybe it's not Bijan Robinson, but who who really cares, to be honest? Like, yeah, it's great. It's a luxury to have. But we also have those teams. And I think it was – and it's, it's kind of crazy how I remember, like, your episodes because I only really listen to, like, really a handful of podcasts, like, less than five for sure. Um, but you were with Michael P. Duncan talking about this exact topic about um, – having like the stud running back collection. Like I had JT, I had Breeze, I had whoever last year and I'm going to walk in and JK Dobbins or whoever and DeAndre Swift and some other guys. I'm going to walk yeah, away. Right. With this you know, Roster I'm going to walk away like, Oh, it's, it's June. And uh, I have like all the best running backs. I'm going to run away with this shit. And then you get to the winner and you're like, they're all on IR. Yes. Yep, you know, I'm fucked. like, but why? Like, so, you know, it's, it's so the running back position because they carried the ball 20 damn times a game, getting literally banged into by 200, 300 pound players at full speed, breaking all their bones on every single play that you don't know. Like, it's literally like roulette. Like, you don't know who's going to survive. You just wait. Even just the way they perform, like if you if they weren't tackled, they're like so violently cutting, and you know yeah. even that whole part, like they they cut and move more than even wide receiver. Wide receivers are more graceful. Like I know they also cut pretty hard, of course, but like it not they don't jump cut. Wide receivers aren't jump cutting, you know, which is literally like jumping and then exploding off like like that is super super stressful on your ligaments and knees and everything these running backs are are put to the test and then smashed and crashed as you put like yes the that's why they're fragile and they see the ball 20 times a game too which uh, you know a guy a, a receiver is going to see the ball maybe seven or eight would be great wouldn't it now seven yeah. or eight receptions would be sick and on many of those they're not going to get hit they're just going to catch it and run out of bounds it's like, you know, so there's a huge difference in the collision rate of a running back versus all their positions, which is what makes them fragile. But on top of that, they're also fragile because if they're replaced, they're replaced. If a, yeah. if a wide receiver is replaced, you know, um, they're not replaced. They're just moved down the pecking order a little bit. You know, it's like yeah. when Amari Cooper became the wide receiver two with uh, CeeDee Lamb or whatever. I'm just making this shit up. He was still great. He was he's 120 targets with CD Lamb in town. If CD Lamb were a running back and Amari Cooper was a running back, Amari would have been dead and then CD would have been taken over, you know. So they're fragile on so many levels, contractually fragile because they're not paid as much. There's so many factors that go into them uh not holding value long term. That wasn't always the case. That's newer. So even when we go back, if you look at some of the articles you and I wrote five, six, seven years ago, we were talking more about you got to invest early in running backs. And that's not because we were stupid then and smart now. It's because we're Bayesian the whole time. And back then it was 
look, you needed an elite running back, Ladanian Tomlinson, whatever. That was the, the way to win. If you had LT, you won. And how long did he play? He wasn't fragile, not to say that you know he didn't get hurt. But my point is he lasted longer. He got more contracts. They valued the running back position. It was just a different time. Now, fast forward to today, we do see more injuries, I think. I mean, it feels like we see more ACLs. Fuck, Brees, Dobbins, Barkley, Dalvin. I mean, geez, Louise, can we stop popping ACLs on these fucking awesome running backs? Point of the matter is, though, it's happening. So all that being said, how, how about Amari, Mike Evans, you know, all these, even a guy like Tyler Lockett. Oh, my God. I mean, Tyler Lockett found money, Brandon Cooks, et cetera, et cetera. The wide receivers can buoy your team. You want to lean into that and be looking to try and take as many wide receivers. Look, some leagues, it's like two flex, two wide receivers. You don't need very many. You know, it's like you don't need that many uh, wide receivers. You really just need two or three elite ones. So that's a different strategy. But if you start three with four flex or something like that, you really need to lean into how many wide receivers of consequence can I get on this squad so that I can hold my team up for a long period of time so I can surround it with other running back talent. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, you know, I mean, a wide receiver, their average catch is what, you know, seven to 10 yards, maybe 11, 12 yards, right? I mean, every catch. Running back, I mean, they're lucky to get five yards a carry, right. you know, and if you're looking at the WR2 of a team, they're getting, you know, 80, 90, maybe 100 targets, depending on the offense. The running back two or three of a team, I mean, who knows what they're getting? Maybe they're getting Nothing. 100. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe they'll get 100 carries, if that, you know, and then what? Five yards. They're not getting five yards a carry if they're the running back two of a team. Right. That's for damn sure. Let's I mean, the Ravens. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I know you just started the projections, and yeah, I mean, I did. just me doing projections every year, it just kind of tells me that the second, third running back option on a team isn't seeing that much, you know, production, right. you know, and then, no. and, the, and then you do a team production projections and then you start seeing, of course, the quarterback's going to have the highest number of points scored. And you have like the running back one or the wide receiver one, depending on the team. And then it's like the running, the wide receiver two, and then maybe the tight end. And then the second, third running back options are like kind of in the middle the projections of a team and if you extrapolate that across the whole nfl like why would you want to invest so much capital or so many picks or roster spots on running backs or you know at least a high investment um, right I, I think what happens is then you say okay after i get past the the productive wide receivers i'm just going to smash all these running backs because i don't know if it's going to be roshan or khalil herbert I don't know if it's going to be Madison or Dwayne McBride. I don't know if Eckler is going to get hurt this year. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Barkley popping an ACL or if it's going to be JT. So I don't know if it's Evan Hull or Eric Gray. I don't know. But I do know that if JT popped an ACL, Evan Hull now <laughs> is like a, a thing. You know, the, the difference between the projection of Evan Hull with JT healthy all season is hardly anything. The projection, if we think, or if, excuse me, if we knew that JT pops an ACL in week two, Evan Hall is a completely different projection. The opportunity is more important than the skill. Whereas at wide receiver, you could tell me that Devontae Smith and AJ Brown got hurt. And I don't think I want any of those stupid fucking wide receivers. It's just going to be like, you know, it's going to be DeAndre Swift and Goddard and, you know, they're going to spread it out. None of those wide receivers are going to be wide receiver ones just because, those guys got hurt. 
And on top of that, they're less likely to get hurt. So that's the whole point is how targets are received from the wide receiver position as opposed to how running back touches are divvied up are completely different equations. So having backup sort of handcuff wide receivers is worthless because if unless they're good, they're not going to get shit no matter what happens. Yeah, absolutely, man. 100%. I, I have no no point of contention there, you know. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't know how we got this far along, Mr. Chalk, without without mentioning the thing that, you know, you and I are starting to get to, which is the the I love this one, man. Listen. Friday night, <clears throat> Saturday night, late at night. Take advantage of drunk trading. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to actually mention to people because they think it's silly and stupid, but it's not. If your league is on is a Saturday night and the chat is fucking vibrant, send some offers. Send some offers. You're gonna get some guys, dude, fuck yeah, man. And look, man, that's your problem. You you're there's no rescinding a trade because it was 1 a.m. on Saturday night and you were fucked up, bro. That's your own problem. Put your phone down. So it sounds stupid, but just be smart with things like that. Like understand where someone's at. Be a little bit empathetic to what the what the other what the other guy's doing. And if some guy's out there just talking trash, feeling his oats, that's how I got my home today. I was first to act. This guy was like, dude, I'm selling it all. It's time to go. I'm rebuilding. I'm doing a fucking boom, boom, boom. And he put Mahomes on a board, and I'm like in there like swimwear. And even the, the comments were, that was fast. Damn right that was fast. He put Mahomes on the fucking board. I'm making a strong offer right off the get. It's the same thing as drunk trading. That guy was just feeling like, hey, man, I, I, I'm good right now. I'm ready to – he was feeling it that moment. If I waited two, three hours, he might have been like, what the fuck am I doing trading Mahomes right now? Maybe. I don't know. But in that moment, he was ready to go. Yeah, man, that, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I, I tweeted this a long time ago where if a league member says, oh, I'm so fucking high right now. Oh, you know, whatever. It's like offer, you know, like I'm in the DMs, right? Offer. I, I in, in the league I had and I'm in and I, I mean, this is not a deal I got. And I was so mad when I, just, I saw this happen. Some guy traded Travis Etienne. For three first. Oh. Right. So, you know, the guy that traded for Travis Etienne later. So at the time he said, this is a fucking great trade, man. You guys don't know anything <laughs> about Travis Etienne. You guys are fucking baller. This and that. And everyone in the league was like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Yeah, he's good, but he's not worth three first. Like, dude, what are you doing? Right. And this guy was like defending himself, like, oh, I'm a genius and this and that. Right. Fast forward like a week later, the guy like sobered up from whatever coma he was in, <laughs> drunk coma, and said, uh, I think that was a bad trade. And I think I was wrong. Or like, yeah, duh. And he's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, you know what? I realized that I shouldn't be trading when I'm drunk. Right. Bingo. And it was like a Saturday night. I look back, it was like a Saturday night. Like, literally to your point, the guy traded three first for Travis Etienne because he was drunk. And he just thought it was a good idea when whatever drunken stupor that he was in. Yes. And it was just like, it was kind of, I guess, like, 
relieving because like okay like i was right or we were right that you're an idiot but then it was also like dude you're an idiot and you can't reverse that like it's was done is done and now this guy got three first for trading away travis Etienne. like <laughs> right. like what are you doing right now you know and chalk chalk on the flip side when you guys are twisted don't open that sleeper app, dog. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like when you're fucked up, yo, put that fucking phone down, dog. Exactly, yeah. man. The yeah, sleeper I mean, app, hey, the sleeper app should have a fucking breathalyzer fucking. Yeah, man. Like, dude, it's Wednesday night and I, I've, had, I've had, I think, five shots of whiskey just talking to you right now. I'm not opening my app, man. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be. <laughs> I mean, I've been talking to you, so I'm not going to do anything stupid, anyways. But I'm not, I'm not sending any offers because I might right. do something. I might, I might not even make a dumb decision. I might just slip my finger and some something right. that I don't remember I sent. Um, and you know what's funny is, I, I stopped smoking weed a little while back, but then I when I went back and literally on this topic, I started looking back on some of the dumbest trades I ever made. Like it was because I was high, man. Like it had to be, like. Like, right. you know, because I was always high and I'm always on sleeper. So, like, of course, I was making stupid trades, you know? Like, right. like what are you doing, yes. dude? Like, like, would you ever do this if you're, like, literally, like, sober right. as hell? Like, would you ever do something as stupid like this? Like, if I'm, yes. like, sober and I'm, like, at work, would I do a stupid mistake like this? No. Like, I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not drunk and high. Like, I'm not <laughs> dumb, you know? But then when you're, like out of your mind you're like oh okay whatever like oh i really like this guy i really like dk metcalf i'm gonna give away five first for dk or whatever you know i'm just, gonna, I'm just making that up but yes. yeah man like when you see anyone in your league chat saying anything hinting anything that they're not themselves partying, yes. partying whatever it's like dm bro like maybe they're not gonna respond to you because they're too busy like actually having a good time and not being a nerd but the yeah, people that in the chat egg them on yeah. in the chat yeah what's yeah. going on bro me too man <laughs> yeah, me i'm too. totally <laughs> fucking rocking myself bro dude let's do a trade man you know yeah. and like fuck yeah and you're like fuck yeah <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah let me get patrick mahomes real quick for uh deshaun watson at her first you're like yes yes you know. let's do it let's make some <laughs> shit it, let's make some shit happen <laughs> Oh my god. I think that's a show, man. Oh my god. That's the show. No drunk it. trading. You know, definitely when you guys put a sleep put a fucking breathalyzer on your sleeper app. That's Absolutely, the way to go. Man. That's Absolutely. the way to go. Just uh just me and Chalk sitting down, drinking a few, talking some dynasty. I, I hope that was a good show. I think it was a good show. What do you think? Honestly, man. I'm not opening my sleeper lab, so I don't know if I don't know if I should I should be opine on the quality of the show, but hopefully it was a good one. Hopefully, well, I think you started good. Listeners. You had your own dynasty curve for the night. <laughs> I did, huh? I yeah. did, man. Yeah, you curved down a little bit. So tell the people what's up, man. I mean, there's a lot going on, and uh, yeah, the the undroppables is you know happening. So tell them what's up and uh, you know what's going on. Yeah, I mean we got. We got a lot of stuff brewing over here at the Undroppables. Um, of course, you know, Scott's behind all of it. Uh, we got some exciting partnerships that we'll be announcing uh, here sure. in the very new future. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, I don't want to let the cow out of the bag, but um, 
you know, really exciting stuff there. Um, the Patreon, patreon.com slash the undroppables. Uh, we're really brewing some fun stuff up there with the, the, uh, the bets, the props, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. we've got a new guy on staff, uh, who's been killing it. Uh, the homie P underscore lytics on Twitter. Um, he's been nailing it, man. He's like close to 70% on, on prop bets right now. Uh, so make sure you check us out there and get access to our discord. Um, but as usual, Jax, you know, great time. You know, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I know. I know I started going off the edge here uh, towards the end, but it's <laughs> always a good time and kind of want to let loose. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life and uh, it was, it was really good to just kind of escape, escape, escape reality for a little bit. Yes, absolutely. That's why we play these stupid fucking games in the first place. Cause it's really fun and we get to pretend we're some sort of master GM. And if you can win some money in the process, that's also good. Speaking of winning money, our UN bets is doing good. So go to undroppables, check it out. We are uh, back alive. We, uh, you know, we, we, we want to make sure our process is sound before we start, you know, offering it up. And as of right now, it looks like it's, it's, it's working. You know, once we get the machine running, you know, we, we try to, we try to figure out a, a winning strategy of betting. And uh, then we share those, those tidbits. So that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're not, we're not selling anything that we don't think will, will work or that is working. Once it's not working, it's fucking stupid. So that's what it's all about on that on that front. In terms of the partnerships, man, I don't talk too much about what's happening here and there to the people, but people, uh, fun stuff happening. You guys are the reason that that this show is growing. The listenership each week goes up um, every, every week, and I know some of you guys are are are, are such loyal listeners, and uh, also the one girl who listens to. Thank you for for listening. Uh, we've we've seen the demographics. It's basically thousands of dudes and like two girls. So the two girls that are listening, fucking a man, unbelievable. Uh, thank you so very much. I I don't know why you do this, uh, but no, I'm only having fun. But we we've got some fun stuff coming up, and and the show will only grow because of you guys. Do me a favor, go if you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to subscribe. I know you probably listen to the show religiously, but just having some of those numbers uh, go up is always a good thing. Don't forget to rate and review. I never asked for that shit, but it does matter, I guess. I mean, I don't really give a shit, which is kind of the big thing. I don't really care. I'm doing this for fun. I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because I feel like it. If I didn't feel like it, I wouldn't do it. I'm not doing it for however many fucking subscribers or whatever. Uh, you know, I think that's why I have subscribers because that's what this show is all about. And it will remain that way. That's a promise I will make. Uh, I won't actually sell out. We might have a few ads coming. Things like that are happening. You just can't resist it over time. But uh, I promise I won't fuck the show up, guys. So on that, I will say on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the Chalk. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.